So friends, we've reached my favorite chapter of scripture in the Bible, actually. Uh, the 15th chapter of the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Now you, most of you, I'd say, are probably used to my style of sermon by now, right? I want you to learn something, I want you to laugh at something, I want you to feel something, and I want these three things to happen within 12 minutes uh, so that we can go on to the thing that really matters, which is what happens at this table every week. Um, But we're going to depart from this pattern just a little bit uh, today and connect this this week's reading to next week's. Um, I want to just lean in a little more into teaching you uh, about this letter to the Corinthians and then next week to tell you exactly why it mattered to me um, and why it might matter to you. So let me start by admitting that I love to read other people's mail. (laughs) Not in the federal crime kind of way, you know, Um, but I like reading collections of old letters. Uh, For for Christmas this year, my dad subscribed me to a service that mails me a copy of an historic letter from an historic time um, and an important person in history, right? For instance, last week, I got a letter from a French prime minister named Clemenceau to President Woodrow, gosh, why is his, can you imagine having to say his name all the time, Uh, (laughs) Woodrow Wilson, (laughs) uh, about the U.S. entry into World War I, which I didn't know anything about Clemenceau, hadn't heard his name before. Um, So what happens is when I get these letters, is I read them through first, and I am invariably confused as to what's going on between the two people in this letter. But then I can turn it over where I'll find a synopsis of the historical context, and it it all makes sense, right? I think this experience that I have now every week is very much like the difficulty that we face every week when reading an epistle which is, was, is the word that we use for the letters of, of Paul uh, or James or Peter that make up that third reading every Sunday. We are hearing a letter from a time and a conversation that we know nothing about. And even worse, we're not reading the whole thing through, right? We're just picking up piece of, pieces of it from week to week. When you hear an epistle read at church, It's like you are reading one person's response to a problem that you know nothing about. Of course, you'll leave probably feeling a little confused. There may be some nice platitudes in there to to hold on to or something, but, but the overall experience you miss. So Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians around 54 A.D., 20 years or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, Paul had traveled to Corinth previously and lived there for about a year and a half, we think, as he established the church, and then he moved on. He hadn't got far when word started to reach him about the church in Corinth, and the word was not good. There were problems, it seems, I, um, if you can possibly imagine a church with problems. I don't know. <laughs> and it seems that the Corinthians also wrote him asking some specific questions for advice uh, on how to deal with certain problems for some answers. 
Now, these previous letters did not survive, so all we have is Paul's letter. And we have to put together the other side of the conversation by inference. Okay? So here are some of the issues in Corinth. See if they sound familiar. Have you ever heard of a church that was divided over its leadership? Where, say, half the congregation felt that a certain priest had the greater gifts and abilities, so they were never quite happy with the new one? Or maybe the other half felt like the new one had everything and resented all the people who liked the last guy? A place where camps emerged and politics came before friendship? I don't know about you all, but uh, I've been at that church, and this was happening at Corinth. Or, have you ever heard of a church that proclaimed big ideas about equality and justice and breaking down the barriers uh, through the work of Christ, but then turned around and made divisions about who could or couldn't receive the Eucharist, maybe? Maybe you've heard of places where longtime members acted in a way where new folks were ignored or left on the outside if they weren't of a certain social standing. This was happening at Corinth, and it sounds familiar. And I know this last one's going to be a stretch, but, but now imagine a church divided by issues of gender uh, or sex or sexuality, what's acceptable for people to do with their bodies and with whom. Can you imagine? Now, this one actually is a little funny um, because when you get into the specifics of the problem at Corinth, it seemed to be that these new Christians were getting caught up in the ecstasy of their new religion and were, as a spiritual practice, um, abstaining from sex in their marriages. Like, this is the specific problem that Paul spends most of his time uh, addressing. But you understand, uh, there are plenty of issues around that, um, and the topic does have relevance uh, in every church, as long as there are human beings who make it up. So by the time we get to chapter 15 today, we have covered a lot of ground with what's going on in Corinth, right? And Paul leaves the most important question for him until last, and we'll pick that up next week. Uh, It'll be continued, the question of the resurrection of the dead. But for this week, I want to leave you with what Paul does to answer the questions of these Corinthians. Paul seems to have no interest at all in being a dispenser of practical advice. He does not want a Dear Abby column. For every question that arises, Paul points back to the gospel that he has proclaimed. So other teachers have come along after Paul, and people are divided as to who's the better leader, the better orator, the more skillful debater. Paul's answer is the cross. The cross, which is weakness and humility. This can be the only measure of greatness, Paul says. Can you judge your leaders by that standard, he asks There are disagreements about sex and how to treat one another. Paul doesn't advise counseling or or date nights. He points to the incarnation. God raised the Lord, 
and will raise us by his power. We become one. Insofar as we are in Christ, we are not our own person anymore. Some folks are getting special treatment in the community, pride in one's ability and Prejudice against a poorer or weaker member has caused division and hierarchy. Paul's answer isn't team building or roundtables. He writes a poem to them about love. It's the 13th chapter. He says that love is patient and kind and keeps no record of wrongs. He says that any gift that you have that is not exercised in love will pass away but everything that is rooted in love becomes eternal. The gospel is not moral advice, really. It's good news that there's a way out from the endless cycles of traps and snares found in every church, uh, in every human institution, because those traps and snares are found in every human heart that make them up. May you find the gospel written anew on your hearts when you face these questions. May you find yourself addressed in the word of love that God is composing to all things. Amen.